Welcome to 519 Connect, where the Windsor Police Service connects with members of our community. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to this episode of 519 Connect. I'm one of your hosts, Sergeant Andy Drulard, with Windsor Police Service at our Community Service Branch. And today I'm joined by another member of the Community Service Branch. We have Sergeant Gill. And uh, we have our special guest here, we have Leo Gill. So Leo is the project manager of the Windsor-Essex Regional Community Safety and Wellbeing Plan at the City of Windsor. For over seven years, Leo has worked in a variety of community development and engagement capacities, including outreach, group facilitation, research, data analysis, and project management. He often credits his work alongside residents as an outreach coordinator for the Glengarry and Our West End neighborhood renewal strategies. As driving his passion for community work, Leo holds a master's in social work at the University of Windsor and has experience in working at all levels of social work practice. As a second generation refugee, Leo's experience of humble beginnings living in Windsor's downtown down core has shaped his belief and power of community and collaboration over adversity. Leo strives to support the voices of the community members and their visions for creating safe and thriving neighborhoods in Windsor, Essex. All right, Leo, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, so just to, just to get us started, can you tell us about a little bit of these humble beginnings that you started with? Like, uh, you know, what brought you to Windsor and uh, the position that you hold right now? Yeah, so, um, well, really, you know, my, uh, my family came from El Salvador back in the, uh, the 80s. Uh, at the time, there was a civil war, and so um, they had uh, an opportunity here. You know, my parents, um, it's interesting, they, they were highly educated over there in El Salvador. My, my father was a professor at the university there. Uh, my mother was a medical lab technologist, and uh, coming here, you know, there's there's a challenge. Sometimes your credentials aren't uh, uh, considered um, uh, sufficient in Canada, and so there's a bit of a retraining process. That's what my mother had to do. Uh, to, so it felt like starting from square one. And for my father, you know, at the time, immigration was really about connecting you to um, uh, a job, any kind of job, not necessarily the one that fit your qualifications. And so starting off in factory work. It's a very different situation than, than being a professor of languages, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so there was a bit of a challenge there. And, uh, um, the interesting thing is, I mean, uh, outside looking in, definitely it was, <laughs> uh, I kind of laugh at this, but it's, we were considered to be growing up in poverty, uh, but we never felt that. You know, we felt, we felt uh, the sense of community, we felt the sense of, uh, of love, and we felt the sense of, you know, that uh, if we are able to um, to persevere and, and see that we have strengths inside of all of us, that that could lead us to, um, you know, next steps. And so my father was actually doing a lot of work in community uh, in the community, uh, and I think I just kind of uh, caught the bug and, and followed suit. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I mean, you've probably seen a lot of changes over the years in Windsor. Then you know, growing up downtown to where we're at today, and uh, some of the challenges that we're facing downtown, some of the positive changes that have taken place and uh, yeah so it's great great to have you here to kind of give us that experience there but one of the main reasons that we're here is to talk about the new SNAP program that we're yes. working on together you know and it's great great to be, be meeting you with working with Sergene and talking mm -hmm. about the SNAP program 
Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the SNAP program and what, what got started and uh, how you know uh, we got to where we're at now? Absolutely. So I'll start off with a little bit of context yeah. that um, and it somehow it kind of uh, happily enough matches with some of my work previously in the community. And so, um, so while I was working in uh, community development in Glengarry and the West End uh, through those neighborhood renewals that you uh, mentioned, um, we had an opportunity to work alongside the Windsor-Essex Community Opioid and Substance Use Strategy. And through WECOS, that was really about, you know, seeing how um, obviously with the, the opioid epi epidemic and substance use on the rise, um, there is a need to look at different strategies to try to see how we could be supportive of individuals who are experiencing that, uh, supportive of the community that's seeing the ramifications of, of addiction and substance use, um, but then also seeing how we may be able to uh, intervene um, uh, in a way that considers the community input as, as a key piece of the puzzle. And so um, how that started was uh, we were able to kind of, uh, as part of that WECOS enforcement and justice pillar, uh, look to see how we may be able to um, look at Windsor Police as a, as a key partner to have um, community resource officers deployed in different community areas uh, where there were kind of a, a high uh, propensity for substance use um, uh, and, and kind of the ramifications of that again. Like you've seen used needles in areas and whatnot that would of course alarm uh, residents um, and start hopefully the healing process and the understanding process of, of considering how we can kind of work with individuals who are experiencing these challenges in a compassionate way. Um, and so uh, that started off that process and so we were able to, uh, by the end of my, my term there, before I went to the city of Windsor, before uh, right at the end there, we were able to kind of establish a partnership with Windsor Police to have um, uh, resource officers in those given areas and then actually Sarjeet was, was one of those resource officers over there. So this is kind of a, uh, a culmination moment I find. Uh, and so, um, so from there, I mean, obviously the pandemic hit and, and new priorities, although of course the opioid epidemic and the substance use epidemics uh, are, are, were top of mind, but you know, we're, we were in a position of, of crisis response. We needed to deal with the pandemic and figure out ways on, on how to manage that. And so uh, in many cases, I think the resource officers necessarily needed to deal with other, uh, other fires that were going on. Um, and now that this, uh, during that time, I was writing the community safety and well-being plan. And so again, I don't know how these timings worked, <laughs> but, but it happened to be that we were, I was writing the community safety and well-being plan, which was a, uh, a mandatory uh, project through the, the province. And that led to an opportunity to, to really highlight the fact that mental health and substance use uh, is a priority in the community, engaged in safe communities is a priority in our communities. And uh, we were able to revisit this opportunity. And so all of that, all that context leads to the SNAP team. And uh, the idea here, essentially, is, um, you know, the full name is the uh, Substance Supports in Neighborhoods Access Through Police Partnerships. And the reason why we picked that name is it, it kind of hits it right on the nose <laughs> of what we're doing. It's, um, although the Community Safety and Wellbeing Plan is regional in scope, this needs to be uh, neighborhood level. It needs to be focused in on those uh, priority areas that um, really would benefit from having a, uh, an individualized safety plan would benefit from having additional public ed, uh, um, education campaigns, uh, having officers kind of visible, highly visible in the areas, and having um, you know, partners available on a, um, uh, on a basis that's no longer just uh, from a volunteer standpoint. Um, and, and to clarify that, 
you know, this, uh, this funding uh, really helps and allows, uh, you know, resources to be provided to police as also a key partner is the health unit, which was, is the backbone agency for the uh, WECOS, um, so that we may be able to have dedicated resources and time to, to focus on these challenges. As you know, bringing community partners together, that, that takes effort, right? Planning takes effort. And if you're doing this on the side of your desk, which is kind of generally how many of these types of um, ad hoc kind of strategies kind of come to, come to being, uh, by no fault of the owner, you know, you have to, you know, we have to respond. Um, but having that dedicated resource would, would really be able to free up uh, some time and, and make it so that it's, it's, again, top priority and it's being provided the resources appropriately. Um, and then two other key aspects of that, uh, of the SNAP team is, is really looking at training. So how we can have uh, community level training, um, uh, police training, uh, to make it so that there's a better way to be uh, understanding the challenges that these individuals are facing. Um, looking at it from a compassionate lens, understanding the trauma that might be involved in that. And uh, finally looking at it from a, a data perspective, seeing how we can track our success. That's great. Um, yeah, no, because I've heard from the community, and <clears throat> like there's a lot of people out there that just don't want to just sit while all these things, these things in the community are happening. These uh, people that are facing mental health and drug addiction issues, they want to be involved. So when I'm talking to some of our community partners, uh, they're looking and they're excited to get a part of the SNAP program. So, um, like we said in step two there. But uh, Sergi, uh, if you could talk a little bit about from a community service perspective, how we're gonna, uh, how we've already started to kind of be involved in getting set up for the SNAP program, but also in continuing it. Yeah, first of all, I'm gonna mention that uh, Leo's been uh, uh, vastly uh, instrumental in uh, like uh, designing all this whole grant uh, through the Ministry of Solicitor General. We were able to uh, get a 1.5 million grant, uh, which is gonna be uh, uh, planned through the course of three years. And uh, again, it's a great partnership between uh, Windsor Police, Windsor Essex County Health Unit, and uh, City of Windsor RC uh, Regional uh, Community Safety Wellbeing Plan, which uh, Leo is in charge. So uh, I just want to touch base on this that uh, Leo mentioned about the WECOS, right? Windsor Essex Community uh, Opioid Substance Strategy, which the program was already running, and then uh, uh, us from we, uh, sorry, we be from a Windsor Police Service, we were part of those. Uh, Safety Renewal Neighborhood Groups, uh, which was funded by United Way, which sadly ended in March 2020. So, uh, four Windsor Police Community Services officers were assigned to uh, different parts of the uh, city of Windsor, our West End, Fort City Neighborhood Renewal, uh, Glenferry Neighborhood Renewal, and Downtown Windsor Community Collaborative. So what we were doing was like, we were already kind of like doing what SNAP Project's gonna build upon. Like we were engaging with these uh, communities and uh, through um, and uh, uh, implementing uh, projects like SEPTED audits, uh, neighborhood watches, um, and, and any other community events that were happening in the community. So we were already involved in that, right? So we this NAP project's gonna like build, uh, build on that we uh, uh, cost concept that we were already part of. So uh, going forward, as Leo said, <clears throat> Uh, the way it's going to work is uh, we're going to be more visible uh, in the high priority areas. The biggest challenge is going to be uh, approaching the people that are suffering from the substance use, right? You got The biggest challenge is going to be to build rapport with these people, and I think it's going to be huge uh, and instrumental trying to get uh, assistance from people who have lived experience and uh, so that we can get the, reduce those barriers and try and get uh, connected with these people. 
So that's how this project's going to uh, unfold, uh, hopefully sometime in fall. And then uh, I'm, I'm very excited that uh, I've been uh, uh, assigned as a coordinator from the Winsby Service uh, to be part of this project. And uh, I'm excited to be working with Leo and uh, uh, Windsor Essex County Health Unit going forward. Hi, my name is Ed Armstrong. I'm the Inspector of Professional Advancement with the Windsor Police Service. With this position, I oversee our training branch, community services, as well as recruitment. As you know, Windsor is one of the most diverse communities in Canada. With that being said, our goal is to ensure that our police service represents our community. If you know anyone from your community that believes in our core values and will be an asset to our organization and serve the community with honor and service, the Windsor Police Service is currently accepting applications for the position of cadet. We encourage you to have them apply. Although patrol and ensuring the safety of our community is our number one priority, the Windsor Police Service offers different departments that may interest you. To name a few, our Major Crimes Branch, our Forensic Identification Unit, Emergency Services Unit, and our Marine Unit. Which one interests you? So you want to know how to become a cadet? Simply visit our website at windsorpolice.ca under the Career tab or visit oacpcertificate.ca. I'm sitting at my desk waiting to see your application. Like you said, some of the challenges that I think we're going to face is, um, you know, people that are suffering from mental health and drug addiction, when they see a police, mm -hmm. sometimes at first they're a little bit standoffish, right? So that's why I think community service perspective and a lot of our other specialty units, our COAST unit, our MCERT unit, uh, they have the luxury of a little bit more time than patrol officers sometimes in responding in, in those uh, emergencies or very serious incidences where they can mm -hmm. take time out to talk to these people and offer them assistance right so um, uh, that, that's one of the challenges I see but one of the ones that I feel that we're gonna overcome very quickly like we already when they see us coming on positive like just for no reason we're just coming to say hi mm -hmm. we're coming over to see and meet them introduce ourselves things like that and uh, that, that already starts in reducing that barrier but uh, do you see any yeah. challenges for us? No, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I think that's that's the main piece of, of being able to connect it to um, the work of, of WeCost that has a number of community partners that are dedicated to doing, uh, to, to doing client work directly with individuals, having that ability to incorporate those, uh, those lived experiences and that lived, um, uh, that, that, that voice of lived experience. Because, you know, quite frankly, you know, you're right. I mean, one of the bigger hurdles will be um, just the, the barriers that are put in place because of stigma, right? Or because of, um, and, and that goes both ways. The sense of, you know, perhaps police aren't here to help me, right? Perhaps they're here to move me to a different location or whatever it may be. But that previous experience could have 
you know, could be changed by future experiences and understandings that, you know, we are looking at this from uh, understanding mental health or understanding substance use specifically as, uh, as a public health issue, right, and incorporating it as that. And, and again, those are monumental changes, I think, to be honest with you, in terms of the shift of how we approach some of these situations. Because if, um, you know, I, I recognize uh, myself, uh, when it comes down to it, I by no means would call myself an expert in terms of working directly with, uh, with individuals um, uh, who have substance use challenges. Um, but I know that there's a ton of great people that are working in that area. And, and that's the key part, connecting with those individuals, seeing how, be, how we might be able to improve efficiencies and, and ensure that uh, when we're talking about intake or we're talking about referrals, that we're referring individuals to an area that's not going to lead to a dead end, right? That's not going to lead to a stop or a gap where an individual might fall through. And all of that involves partnership development, all of that involves planning, um, and that's why having dedicated resources from both you know, Windsor Police, uh, from uh, the health unit, and also uh, myself supporting, that'll help us try to reduce those, those gaps as much as possible. So that's really the way to kind of deal with some of those, uh, those barriers, is understanding that we don't have the full <laughs> experience on that, and that's okay. Right? Mm -hmm. we, should, we should know when we don't have the experience and connect with those individuals that do. Yeah, draw on our experts or our, the partners that we have in the initiative, right? Exactly. Um, I think the other big thing too is, um, I don't want to call it keeping tabs, but uh, like not just saying, okay, here's a, a resource for you and then let them go. We want to be able to keep that connection with them, right? To ensure that there's, they stay on the right path, that they have all those resources available to them, opportunities maybe, uh, for housing or whatever, um, the supports for the drug addiction, the mental health addiction, maybe they're getting set up for the medical side of things, mm -hmm. right? But just ensuring that uh, we keep that connection with them so that they don't fall off the track that they're on, right, to yeah. success. Absolutely, and I think that's another key reason why when we're looking at the WECOS kind of approach to, um, to understanding substance use and interventions that might be uh, available and applicable, um, it's not a one-size-fit-all model, right? For some individuals, they may need harm reduction. For others, it may be more of an enforcement and justice pr approach, right? Because maybe it's we're seeing drug trafficking, and that's something that we would like to um, uh, mobilize the appropriate resources to stop, right? Uh, but for others, maybe it's about looking at preventative measures, you know, informing the public, having education. That's another piece, education, is making sure that the public is aware of who to call, you know, when they're seeing a challenge or an individual that clearly is in need of support. Um, because I think sometimes, um, unfortunately, you know, there's a, um, and naturally, this happens in, in every community across North America, there is a sense of this not in my backyard, this nimbyism, right? That feels as though if we're seeing, you know, an individual who may be homeless or an individual may be challenged by addiction or substance use, um, if it's out of sight, it could be out of mind. And so the, the action becomes, well, we're, we want you know Windsor Police to arrest these individuals and get them off the streets, but when it comes down to, is that the support that that's, that's actually needed? Is it going to be a revolving door? Right? Maybe it's more about ensuring that there is the appropriate resources that are for that individual, um, and seeing that there's other opportunities, and that's why connecting people to the appropriate um, uh, leads is is so vitally important. And it, although many of the times that's occurring. Sometimes you need to have that level of coordination that can help with making sure that, um, again, that we're not finding gaps or that we're not missing individuals who might be needing 
of, of certain uh, certain supports. Mm -hmm. No, that's right. And like I've seen some social media um, advertisements and uh, initiatives trying to re get rid of that stigma, right? To mm -hmm. try to you know humanize all these people that are suffering from mental health and drug addictions, and you know they have a lot of stories and things that they've gone through in life that got them to their point that they're in, right? So Absolutely. I think it's important to you know recognize that and to ensure that we deal with them you know in that sense that they are victims and that they are suffering from mental like but like you touched on there and I've heard it before and there's a tagline there that we can't arrest ourselves out of this uh, issue that we're dealing with right so there's a, a but there isn't just one solution so I think that's why this snap initiative is great because it's it's all encompassing it's trying to tackle it from a lot of different avenues right to ensure that's exactly successful exactly and you know it, it makes me think of also so another project that I was working on uh, through WeCost was um, the label me person campaign and that positive pathways is, is currently running and they have an, uh, an amazing team over there at positive pathways I have to always give credit to Michael Brennan and uh, and, and his team over there they're just fantastic um, but one of the key pieces of that is just is exactly that that we need to understand that these are people's, you know, parents. These are people's children. These are people's, you know, loved ones. That the, the as we kind of just cast them away as something of, you know, using that terrible language of, you know, uh, druggy or addict or whatever it may be, that um, we are completely dismissing the trauma that they may have experienced. We're dismissing the histories that they may have, the loved ones that are trying to be supportive, and and again, that can be. Um, uh, we look at that as as understanding if we can reduce that stigma, that might be a strength that you know helps individuals go down a different path, right? And uh, and in a path that they you know that they're hoping to to go down, because that's another piece is is um, when you're dealing with uh, with a trauma, sometimes you may not feel as though you're worthwhile, that you're worth that, and. Uh, I know from, uh, for instance, Bob Cameron at, uh, at uh, DWCC, Downtown Windsor Community Collaborative, and the REACT program. A big part of that is connecting people to other resources so that they feel that they're a part of something, that they are worthwhile, right? They're a part of the community. And again, that's, um, that's not an idealistic thing. That's, that's, that's the way forward. That's 100% the way forward. And, and I feel you know, that that's something that um, uh, sometimes needs a, little, uh, needs a level of coordination so that those individuals are put into those situations where they can feel um, that that is, you know, an opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we had Bob on this program and uh, we talked about the REACT program and I, I think that's exactly what we were talking about here in growing the SNAP initiative is getting those community partners involved, but also in those community partners they have um, people from there in the community there that are asking them, what can I do, right? Because uh, I, I think for a while here, a lot of people just thought, you know, there's just no solution to this. It's just, mm. uh, it just seems like it's such a uh, huge undertaking to, to try to tackle this problem, right? And so, in a lot of the sense, that sense, people were just kind of dismissing it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's great to see this in, in the REACT program with Bob and things that are happening. Like, it's, it's good to get that message out there, right? Absolutely. That, you know, there's a lot of programs out there, there's a lot of initiatives out there that are trying to tackle this problem, right? We're, uh, and as a community, I think we can take it on. You know, we can come up with a good solution here. Yeah, absolutely. I find, especially with the fact that, like, you're right, there's a sense of, 
um, this feeling of, of sometimes hopelessness on on situations that you know these these really big complex social challenges um, where it's like well where do we start how do we even you know move forward what what's the first step and the reality is there have been a lot of first steps already right there's there are existing organizations and existing work that it's about leveraging that but also that you know if we forget that the individuals at the heart of this um, there are root causes that have led them down that path and if we're not asking them if we're not connecting with them if they're not supporting you know action towards what the next step would be then what we're doing is we're solving a symptom of the challenge we're not necessar necessarily solving the actual challenge and so that's again why it's so important to have that that understanding and, and how that uh, lived experience can really help with um, moving that forward, right? We are early on in this initiative, right? Yes. So yes. We, it's funny kind of talking about it. me and Sergi were talking like it's funny doing a podcast, but we want to get that message out to the community that we are, there are a lot of initiatives happening, right? That we're going to want to draw on them for as well to join us in this initiative, right? What do, you, what do you see like coming in the fall then for like the SNAP program and uh, like getting together, getting these initiatives going, timelines, we're definitely excited to get started, right, and get going. We've got like some of the baby steps that are needed mm -hmm. to get in place, but uh, we're definitely excited to get going in the fall. Yeah, you know, uh, I think one of the next steps is perhaps, perhaps there will be another podcast where we'll have someone else next to us, which will be the coordinator on the health unit side. Um, so we are, again, that, that funding allowed us to, to uh, hire a, a direct position, which is uh, amazing, right? Now you actually have that, that level of coordination on that end, uh, that it's, you know, it's in their, uh, um, in, their, in their daily responsibilities to help with moving some of these pieces forward. And so, uh, so again, that will be one of the first steps. And, and how we develop the team now, or now that we have uh, our, our coordinator level, right? It's about making sure that we have the work plan, making sure that we have the, uh, the partnerships in place so that as we're executing into uh, uh, you know, establishing this team in, in the, the priority areas that we are identifying, um, that we have a basis there of a, a bit of a procedure on, on how to approach it but also recognizing that we need to be flexible, that each neighborhood will have a different need and will have a different priority, right? Um, and again, recognizing very well that that might mean also that we have different contributing parts uh, or, or community members from that. And maybe we're incorporating businesses, maybe that we're incorporating residents involved in that solution finding process. And so again, that's where uh, I'm hoping that with, uh, with the fall, once we have that individual in place, we'll be able to kind of connect with the first priority area and kind of go from there. Yeah, and I think even getting back to the beginning there when you were talking about your introduction and your humble beginnings here in Windsor as a young boy, um, yeah, I think that perspective, I feel, is going to give you a strong uh, understanding of what we're facing and what newcomers are facing uh, and a lot of other um, in our diverse community, right? We are a diverse community, so I, I feel like your background is really going to help with that, for, for sure. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I think, um, you know, it's it's funny. I think when when I think of our our communities, I just uh, maybe this sounds a little cheesy, but I just have this love for for you know the downtown, for the West End, and and uh, to the extent I always tell, I said this to my wife, if you say any street in the downtown or the west end, I know it. Anything in the east end, I have no idea because that's not where I grew up, right? <laughs> but, uh, but I think when it comes down to it, that um, recognition that there are, you know, there are cultural differences in terms of from a neighborhood perspective, 
but also there's differences in terms of population and, and it's important to recognize and celebrate that because that can be a leading strength that can help with um, how you move something forward. Um, because once you have uh, buy-in from a community and that, um, and I, I sincerely believe, you know, buy-in from a community is when there's involvement from the community, there's input from the community and it's, and it's reflected on and it's, and it's considered in, in terms of the movement forward. Once you have that there, um, it's, you know, that, that hopelessness that we talked about beforehand or that sense of, of, of fear of, of the next step, it gets a little less heavy, right? And it, it starts becoming a little more hopeful and you start feeling as though you're not alone. Um, something that I always say too is what I've seen in practice, some of the people that you feel are, are apathetic, right? That they don't really care, they're just like, this, nothing's ever going to change, all these, they're the, usually in, in, in my experience, they've been the ones that have wanted to see change, that have really pushed hard to see something change, or have been really frustrated when they don't see next steps happen. And that leads to that. So it's not that they don't care, it's that they cared so much and they've been, you know, they haven't seen the change. Um, once you start seeing those people come around, then you know you got some really good traction, right? And I think that's something that is uh, incredibly motivating, and I think that's something that is um, uh, what, what, that, uh, what that next step will hopefully lead to. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think that's a, a great way to end off here, you know, uh, in a positive note, in a hopeful note, that uh, there is positive change already happening, but with our new initiative here that we're going to get even more positive change together with the community and a lot of our community partners that we have involved. Um, is there a message for our community partners and uh, the ones and how to get involved with the SNAP program? Um, oh, believe me, we'll be reaching out quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I personally, I really do sincerely believe, you know, collaboration is, is key. You know, it is, it's important to make sure that we recognize the work that's being done, leveraging that, supporting that, and also seeing how that could lead to, again, the solution finding process. So, so um, in, terms of, in terms of that, uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing from Sergi and I and, and the new coordinator sometime soon, but we've already kind of started those conversations and, and it's, it's really helpful that we have a leg up because we are connected to WECOS and, and the health unit, so they already have a number of, of great partnerships in play. Uh, and so it's just about making sure that we can leverage that as well. We're looking forward to uh, what the fall brings, the SNAP initiative together. Uh, so thanks again for joining us today. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Sergio. Thank you. Thank you for having me as well. All uh, right. Looking forward to the fall and uh, kickstart this uh, great project. Yeah. So there you have it. Another episode of 509 Connect. Uh, we had Leo Gill here. We had Sergi Gill talking about the SNAP initiative, homelessness, drug addiction. Uh, looking forward to this new initiative heading into the fall. But you can find us on all of our platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Facebook. We're all over. So uh, great episode. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.